You know, if there's one thing about it today, world, that everyone wants to be happy. For example, you can turn on the TV, you can look at uh, newspaper ads, you can look at ads on the internet, you can find all of these things that help us in our pursuit of happiness. And so you have all these products, you have all these self-help tips, you have all these travel things that you can do to be happy on a trip, you have all these things that they advertise if you buy this for the low, low price of whatever, $19.99 or $199.99 or whatever it is, if you purchase that, you'll be happy. And if you're not, within 30 days, send it back and we'll refund you your money, right? You know how that works. Well, my question is this. At the end of pursuing happiness, you know what's left? You are. That's it. At the end of that pursuit, what's left is yourself. Church, God did not send Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be happy. He sent him to die on the cross so that we could be made holy like he is holy. So I wonder if instead of pursuing happiness, we pursue holiness. John 13 marks a turning point in John's gospel and in the ministry of Jesus. And you see in John, what he does is he uses a lot of physical terms. He uses a lot of physical things for us to look at and for us to see the images there to help us see a spiritual point that he's trying to make. And he does the same thing here in John 13. And so on the first day of the week, Jesus had entered Jerusalem in triumph to the enthusiastic shouts of the people. And these people nevertheless misunderstood his ministry and misunderstood his message. And so the Passover season had arrived. And by Friday, he would be utterly rejected and executed by the people. But God, however, would turn that execution into the great and final sacrifice for sin. He was truly our Passover. And we remember that and we think about that, not just on Sundays, but I pray that we think about it each and every day because that's why we're able to live the life that he's called us to in the first place. And so it's the day before Jesus' death, and rather than being preoccupied with the thoughts of that pending and that glorification that would take place, he is totally consumed with his disciples. I mean, he is totally in line with them in mind. And so knowing that he would soon go to the cross to die for the sins of the world, he is still concerned with the needs of these 12 men. There's one thing about Jesus and the love that he had 
His love was never impersonal. And that's the mystery of it. And what a great example for us in our own life. And so in what was literally the last hours before his death, Jesus kept showing them his love over and over. Not just in this scene, and not just because it's, it's the washing of their feet. That's wonderful, but don't miss, that's not the key thing that's taking place in this chapter. This is just another example of how Jesus is showing his love to those that he had entrusted himself in tremendously. Now I want to take you back and remind you of something. Foot washing was needed in every home in Palestine. I mean, not only were the streets dusty and dirty, but they usually contained garbage and the waste from the animals that traveled up and down the streets. And furthermore, and I know you really want to hear this story right before you go to lunch in about an hour. Furthermore, the people didn't wear socks. They had the, the open the sandals like we would wear today. And so you can just imagine, just like you do now, when you have sandals on and you walk around, things are just, filth is just, they're going to get in between your toes, right? I mean, it's going to be there. All of that was taking place. Grungy, sweaty, smelly, filthy, smelly feet could make the meal and the fellowship so uninviting. But that's the setting. That's what was taking place. And so typically when you would enter a home, a guest normally washed his or her own feet after the host offered a basin of water. There would be a slave person there to do that for you, and you would leave your shoes there at the entrance of the house, and you would go on in and do your thing of why you were there. Well, you would kneel down, you would remove your sandals, you would wash the feet, and then they would dry them with the towel, just like we see in this story. And so if a host had servants, they would delegate that job to them because they were busy doing other things. And so a host could provide this luxury because that was just, that was up to the host. But under no circumstances would the host wash the feet of the guests. That was just unheard of because they were busy doing other things and getting ready. And so it's critical when you look here in John chapter 13, he emphasizes twice what Jesus knows. In chapter 13, verse 1, he knows that he's going to die, and he knows he's going to return to his father. Now, you know what that tells me? Those statements reveal that Jesus knows his origin, and he knows his destiny. Man, that's so important for us as his people to be reminded of that. To be reminded of where we came from and where we're going. We've come from God, 
And as we live this life, we're not just living for ourselves, and we're not just out making a show for self, but we are living this life under the lordship of Jesus because that's how we were created. But see, we live in such a culture today, we don't see that example. We have to be that example. We don't see that that's how it's going to take place because to most people in our culture, that is not the norm. That is not the way you live. We live in a world today where you take care of self first and you don't worry about the needs of other people. You take care of you. And then maybe if there's time for others, Mike can work that in. But as long as ourselves are taken care of first, that's what we see. But because he knows who he is, he was free to do. There's a difference in knowing something and doing something. Jesus knew, and because he knew, he had the freedom to go do. I want you to see that this morning. When you know who you are and where you've come from, there is freedom in that. And there is freedom that because I know, I can go serve. And I can go serve in the name of Jesus because that's the example and that's the model that we see. And so as you look down this text from what I read a few minutes ago, there's a couple of things that I want to point out to us that I hope we can take away from this passage. And the first one is, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. That's where the lasting joy comes into place. That's where the fulfillment comes in. Because the difference between the truth you know and the life you live is the amount of pain that you experience. We know Jesus was a loving, humble servant. And a servant's not greater than his master. And so we serve others in that kind of way. But that night, as they were at the meal... When Jesus got up, it was almost like they were looking around and said to one another quietly, oh my goodness, he beat us to it. I mean, we should have been the one to have gotten up to do what he's doing for us. But do you see what Jesus does? Again, he not only paints this picture and not only does he live this out, but he's showing them by example, I, I can do this. I'm not too good. I'm not too holy to serve. I'm not too holy to do this job. Even though it's for somebody else to do, I can do this. How often 
in the church do we say to ourselves, well, somebody else will do that. Somebody else will take care of that. And most of the time, what happens? Nobody did. Nobody took care of it. But rather, instead of saying somebody else will do that, what if that somebody could be you and I? What if that somebody could be us with that heart and that attitude of love that says, I will go serve in this way? You see, Jesus led a life marked by serving. And here's what I want you to see. That's where the fulfillment is. Because you see, we were made in God's image. And because we were made in the image of God, that creates within us, within our DNA, if you want to call it, that creates within us that desire to want to serve in any way possible. And so instead of thinking that somebody else will take care of that, it's an attitude that says, I need to do that. Because that's the example and that's the model that we see from our Savior. And when you do that, and I'm challenging you here, look for opportunities to go serve somebody. Instead of sitting back and waiting for somebody to come serve you, don't take that attitude. Take the attitude of, what can I do this week to go serve somebody else? What can I do for a friend this week? What can I do for somebody that works with me this week? Instead of waiting for them to come do it to you, go do it to them. And you don't do it for the glory. You don't do it so they can say, wow, thank you so much. You do it. Because you have the heart of a servant. You see, the heart of a servant doesn't wait for the pat on the back to say, way to go. The heart of a servant does it and serves for the glorification that this is pleasing my Father in heaven. And there's a big difference. And so... When you think about it, what a great lesson here of humility. And humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And there's a big difference. And that's a challenge. Because we love self. We love ourselves. And we need to. God made us to do that. But he created us to love other people as well. And so whatever that task is, whatever that role is, whatever you're thinking about this morning, pray that God will open doors of opportunity and place you in just the right places for you to serve somebody because God's choosing you to be that person to do that. And as you look through this passage, one of the things that just really sticks out is how Jesus comes in this washing. 
He cleanses us. Now, yes, when he washed the feet, the filth was removed from in between the toes. Yes. But more than that, Peter's finally catching on to it. Man, if, if you're going to do this, then, Lord, I mean, in essence, whatever washing you've got to offer me, that makes me a part of you, and I want that. And not only do, should we want it, we need it. We need that cleansing. Amen? We need that washing. We need that purification that takes place. And that's the beautiful picture of baptism. That when we come to Christ, we say, I'm ready to live for him. Yes. But what takes place is that cleansing. What takes place is that reenactment of us coming in contact with the blood. And in order to do that, we've got to take a bath. We've got to be cleansed. And that's the only thing that makes us whole again is his blood. Nothing else can take the place of that. And so when you look at this, we don't pursue holiness to get God. We pursue holiness to stay close to him. Be holy, God says, as I am holy. So we don't do that to get him. We do it because we want to be as close to him as we possibly can. So here's the great lesson this morning. The point of this story is not to get the water basin and go wash somebody else's feet. That's the example that we see, and that's wonderful. But what's behind that, what's the heart of that, is this. Only absolute humility can generate absolute love. And that was demonstrated in a loving way through the act of washing their feet. That can be demonstrated today in numerous ways. And I wonder what way God may be showing you this morning. I wonder what way God may be tugging at your heart and saying, this is where I need you. Because when you have the heart of a servant, you know what you're doing? You are yielding and you're giving yourself over to the master. And you're saying, here I am, use me in any way that you see fit. Praise God for the example that we see here. And may each of us 
have that heart and that humble spirit to serve more and more people in the name of Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for the way that you bless our lives. We thank you for this great example that we have seen this morning. An example of humility, an example of service. An example of forgetting who we are and realizing that our identity comes from you. And may we find ourselves identifying with you more and more. Father, we want to be holy just like you are because we want to be as close to you as we possibly can. Bless us and use us to be a blessing. It's through Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said,